if I even sense that you're tired, I'm going to go over there and stop you. Hallelujah. Well, I think I said it earlier, but he talks to you right straight to your face. Praise God. <clears throat> you know what I'd like for you to do right now? I'd like for you just to stand and invite the Lord to talk to our hearts today. I, I can't be what I'd like to be. I'll just have to walk slowly today, but I do feel a burden on my heart. And wouldn't it be wonderful today before we go home if somebody could change their eternal destiny. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I am going to try to sing Brother Delat, but right now I'd like for the congregation just to Lift your hands and invite that sweet presence that has been so close here during the singing and the worship to continue with us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. After you prayed, you can be seated. I'm kind of home.
had some pressure and two hospitals in Lufkin. They told him, said, don't send him here. Said, we're full up. He said, the ambulances are waiting on one another in the ER, so don't send him here. As a result, they took me to Beaumont, to St. Elizabeth. Went through the surgery. Was released and went home and had an appointment with my primary doctor. And uh, sitting there in that room and him talking to Sister Roger and myself, he said, you know, it's a good thing that the hospitals in Lufkin were full and they wouldn't let you come here. He said, because unknown to me, our heart surgeon wasn't even in town. I don't take that as a small thing because I just kind of got an idea God knew that. And I want to share this perhaps to help somebody today. Brother Grant, I was laying in that hospital room and after my surgery and still had all kind of tubes coming out of my stomach and drainage tubes and stuff and oxygen in my nose. And I looked on the, the whiteboard on the wall and there was my surgeon's name. Dr. Lamandola, and it's just me and the Lord, and I'm talking to the Lord, and I just looked at that name, and I said <clears throat> something along the line in my talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I, I'm glad he knew what he was doing. <laughs> Praise God. Because he himself had told me that I shouldn't have ever made it to the hospital. And I, I, I don't want to be misunderstood. I have, I have personally been healed instantly 
by the Lord. That song they sung, I'm sure y'all know, Sister Grant, the history of that song. You don't know the history of that song, A Miracle Can Happen Here? Brother Booker had a granddaughter that was helping on the church bus. And she was helping kids off the bus to get to their house. And they were delivering them home after church and Sunday school. And she got off the bus and started around the front of the bus. And somebody ran around and hit her. And she was unconscious for days. And they were worried about her. I, they put it on Facebook. That's the reason I figured you knew it. But <clears throat> her mother was sitting there in that room as any mother would do and just spending that time with her. This song will mean more to you now. But uh, the girl hadn't been conscious at all since the accident. And Brother Grant, they said that mother heard that girl rousing up and when she got close enough that she could hear her, she was singing that song a miracle can happen here God gave her those words as she come out of that coma amen hallelujah that's our God you know, he's got a reputation for doing things like that. He just shocks us all the time. Praise God. But uh, I'm laying in that hospital bed in that emergency room, and I read my doctor's name and kind of told the Lord I'm glad he knew what he was doing. And, and I wanted to tell you about the miracle and the fact that I have had miracles in my own body. I've had God heal me instantly. But sometimes, and I guess based on what the Lord shared with me, we fail to realize his miracle working power in other ways. But the Lord spoke to me, and he said, as I, as I thanked him for that surgeon, Brother Grant, just as sure as I'm looking at you, the Lord spoke to me and said, you think miracles are all instantaneously. He said, but who do you think gave him the ability to do what he did in your body? And the Lord said, now go back with me to the word of the Lord. When Moses was preparing the people to build the tabernacle, <laughs> this, this got me. He said, go back and read it again. I gave Moses explicit instructions on certain things I wanted done for the building of that tabernacle. And he said, Moses didn't tell me the name of the men that had the talent and the ability and the skill. I told him the name. I named them and said, you get so-and-so to do this. You get so-and-so to do that. Because I have put in them the ability and the skill to do what I want done. And so I had to say, thank you, Lord, for a miracle. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless your heart today. Brother Grant, I will try to quit if I get tired. But if I don't, I ain't. Praise God. I do feel something, and it's a little different vein. 
some ways I guess it's a part of my warring. The Lord has talked to me in so many different ways since I've begun to get back in the pulpit. And folks, I cannot deliver this like I would if I wasn't still recovering. But I had you pray, and I want God. I want that anointing of God. to do what I can't do today. Amen. I mentioned last week when I was here, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, going on in the realm of Pentecost. Some of it we wonder about, how in the world did anybody ever get such an idea? But uh, I was having conversation with a brother of my own age, and he made a statement that I'll share with you. He said, Brother Royer, every last one of us is being affected in some way by those who have gone charismatic. Let me say it again. He said, every last one of us has been affected in some way by those who have gone charismatic. And we use that term just as a way of identifying a lot of what we see happening. There is a good side of the word charismatic, but we don't normally see it in that fashion. In some way, everybody in this building, somewhere you got a family member or a good friend, somewhere, amen. Or doing things or relaxing on many things that affects you. Amen. And uh, I was having a conversation just a little over three years ago with a young minister. And he wasn't full-time and he was working a job and he was a salesman. And he shared with me that, in fact, Sister Roya was there that day. He shared with us that he had <clears throat> recently just been in a place of business trying to make a sale. He was selling ads on the radio for a gospel station. And he was trying to get that individual, it was a real estate individual, and they had their own office, and he was just trying to get them to take out an ad. And he was just doing his job trying to make a sale. And somewhere in the conversation, church came up, and he asked her, said, where do you go to church? And she told him, and I won't name the name, but you'd know it. And uh, he said, oh, so you're Pentecost, because it was a UPC church. And that woman said, oh, no. It's not a Pentecostal church. And because of my knowledge, I know why she said that. Because another young man had just shared with me recently, prior to that happening, there's nothing about our church now that looks Pentecostal or apostolic. Amen. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's why I'm at war. Amen. Somebody's going to have to speak up. 
Some saints of God are going to have to back a man of God that's still standing. Hallelujah. Some church members are going to have to constantly remind the pastor we still want the truth. Praise God. I remember in school a poem that became a requirement for us, and there's no way I could quote it all today, but I remember a stanza. In fact, I have it written down here. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Amen. Robert Frost penned that years ago. Amen. Hannah. Not anybody under the sound of my voice will go through life without having to make some choices. And uh, everything you do requires that sometime in your life that you make a choice. Hallelujah. Our life is made up of choices. Amen. And let me just go ahead and tell you, because you already know it, but I want to remind you today, the choices you make, make you. Now, with that preface, how often have you ever heard or quoted or stated the words, prayer changes things? We believe that strongly. Amen. But I, I have come to serve notice today to even us Pentecostals, apostolics. Prayer does change things, but it don't change everything. It's hard for us to stomach that. That almost sounds like unbelief. But I want to get it into your brain today before I leave. If it's the last thing I ever do, God help me to help Baytown. Amen. I want to talk to you for the next little bit about when prayer is not enough. Strange subject, isn't it? Because prayer changes things. But I'm going to talk to you a while today on that subject when prayer is not enough. If we could go to James 5 and 16. Amen. Very familiar scripture. Most of us in this building could quote it. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Would you quote that? latter part with me, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Say it again, availeth much, but not everything. Sounds negative, don't it? But stay with me. Praise God. He goes on to tell us that Elias was a man 
black passion and so forth and his prayer and changed things. Amen. And uh, he prayed more than once. And then we hear these words in verse 19. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, notice that. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from, and this is what I want to focus on, the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. I want, to, I want to touch it again here just a little bit that you get my point. Amen. If he, if he converteth a sinner from the error of his way, Think about that and keep that in your mind, his way. Amen. At, at that point in his life, if he is converted, amen, he'll save amen, an individual from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Psalm 145 and 18. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. I wanted to read this scripture in your hearing and let you see it on the screen today. Amen. Because I need to remind you, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, but it's conditional. It's not just calling on him that gets the job done. We have to call upon him in truth. James 4 and 1. We'll read down to verse 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war. Yet ye have not because ye ask not. Then verse 3. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Notice that. You've heard that talk before, but let me let me show you again something here that sometimes I feel we miss. Amen. Hallelujah. Because it's connected with the next verse. And and think about what he just said. He said the reason you're asking amiss is you're you're wanting it for your own self, your own desire, your own lust. Amen. And then he goes on to say, "Ye adulterers and adulteresses, look what he calls." us and titles us when we do that. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Those two verses are connected. Amen. There is a strong movement in Pentecost today to make this apostolic message attractive. It never has been, it never will be, except to a hungry soul. Praise God. Second Thessalonians 2 and 7, listen, we'll read down some. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. 
And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. They shall, they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and love of the truth. I've run into a new way of trying to explain this scripture, not for myself, but hearing it from somebody else. And I don't disagree with it altogether, but I'm going to point out something today. They said, well, you know, we've, we've preached that scripture wrong all these years. Amen. Because it, it didn't say they received not the love of truth. It just said they received not the love of the truth. And they say that just, that's just talking about Jesus Christ. They didn't receive his love. I couldn't argue with that to some extent, but you can't love Jesus Christ without loving his truth. Praise God. It does have to do with what you believe because he went on to say, amen, that that's how we got salvation is by our belief of the truth. Of the truth. Praise God. Truth about anything. Hallelujah. Stay with me. I know this is pretty serious. Amen. Galatians 6. Amen. Verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burdens. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Amen. I fully understand that the title of my message, When Prayer is Not Enough, could be a little disturbing to our hearts and our minds. Amen. But I'm not taking anything away from the wonderful truth that prayer changes things. But I am going to emphasize again, it don't change everything. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, it, 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 well, it doesn't just appear. It's a fact. It's, uh, I see it. My wife shows me that I don't Facebook, but she does, and I see things on Facebook, and then I've read other things, and I've had others tell me, and I've had some talk to me face-to-face about it. And, and I, I'm just going to say it this way. It's... It's a sad thing, but we've got a generation of Pentecostal preachers that are hearing strange voices from God. That's what they say. 
not they don't call it strange. They just say I'm hearing from God. And they got a lot of new ideas, amen, that are far off from the old path. Hallelujah. Stay with me, folks. Amen. New, new words and new ways are being introduced from the pulpit. I'm not against new verses, new songs. Thank God for what I felt while this wonderful group was singing today, Sister Grant. Uh, I think I mentioned this last Sunday, but I, I don't want this church to ever get to where it just is entertainment. Amen. I felt the glory and the power and that solemn touch of God as y'all were singing. Church, you need to thank God for these singers that know how to sing in the glory of God and the power of God. Lift your hands and thank God for them right now. Praise God. I've been to some churches where it was just entertainment. Hallelujah. I was talking to a couple here some time ago, and one of the things that they shared with me is they've been praying about certain areas, praying about certain standards, certain lifestyles. Amen. Praying about it. Praise God. And uh, that's why I come to you with this message today. I'm just going to go ahead and make a statement here in the very beginning. I may say it more than once before I'm through. But let this old-fashioned Pentecostal preacher just share it with you today. There's just some things you don't have to pray about. I'm going to take it a little farther. There's some things you don't need to pray about. Praise God. Let me read you a little more scripture before I move on. 1 Corinthians 18, 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? Notice that, two opinions. They had two different ideas in their head. If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. This is what I hope you never forget. Isn't it strange? After all these people had seen of God, the next sentence says, and the people answered him not a word. I, I, I said it a little crude this morning. They didn't have guts enough to tell the man of God what they were thinking. He said, you're halting between two opinions. Amen. Joshua 24 and 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Notice that. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. There it is again. Verse 15, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's been preached on and taught many times. It's been testified about. Amen. But I want you to notice that the, the thing that he put in front of them is you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to decide who you're going to serve. 
1 Samuel 16 and 1, very serious passage of Scripture. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Amen. Samuel stayed up all night and mourned for Saul because Saul had made some choices. And there came a choice in Saul's life that God said, that's the last thing you're going to make along that line, boy. I'm through with you. Amen. Brother Roy, why are you reading this scripture? I, I love this man. In some ways, he's like a brother to me. And I don't take anything away from him and his walk with God and what I'm about to say. But there could come a time in your life that his prayers won't do you any good. Hallelujah. Why are you going to keep mourning for somebody, Saul or Samuel, that I've already given up? I don't know about you, but I got an old pastor that I know walks with God. He's been retired 13 years, but I'd hate to know God ever had to tell him that about me. Praise God. Real quickly, 2 Peter 2 and 12, and I'm going to read quite a bit there. But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to ride in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. I want you to notice that. It's so relevant to the day we're living in. They claim to be a part of you. They're here. They're eating with you. They're feasting with you. They claim to be just like you. having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. I just want to point this out as we study this here today. Who is it they're influencing? Amen. The unstable. I don't expect you to be shouting right now, folks, but I, I, I want you to listen to me carefully. We've got a lot of folks that are influencing people that has just been kind of in the valley of decision today. Amen. The Lord told us even in that day it was happening. Amen. Here's what else he had to say. Which have forsaken the right way. They were in it. They were walking in the right way. 
but now they have forsaken it. You see what I'm telling you? It, it affects every one of our families. I've got children today. I, ra- I know how I raised them. I know what I taught them. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it. I hope he hears it on the tape. I got a son-in-law that went with me to Africa three times. I heard him teach on one God. Amen. I gave him that that job to do and that ministry to do, and he preached as good a message on one God as I've ever heard. But I saw him on Facebook here just a few days ago baptizing in the Trinity. And he put it on there himself like he was proud of it, Sister Grant. Brother Roy, you getting mad? Yes, sir, I'm mad. I'm at war. Hallelujah. I don't care how much he baptizes in the Trinity. Amen. There's still only one Lord, one God, one faith, and one baptism. You may have somebody in your family that's doing what he said here. They're, they're forsaking the right way. But as they do, some of us are going to have to make up our mind. I don't care what they do. I'm not leaving this way. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray. And listen to this statement. Following the way of Balaam the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. I don't have to say this to you if you've got any connection and understanding of what's going on around us. Today, the big thing is numbers and money. Amen. That's, that's what they're looking for. Anything that will increase the number and increase the money. I'm just being plain today. I can't do this everywhere, but I feel, Brother Grant, I can do it in Baytown. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want numbers, and thank God for giving people, but that's not what it's all about. There's an eternity somewhere that everybody that we're preaching to is going to have to live, amen, forever and ever and ever. Praise God. But was rebuked for his iniquity, talking about Balaam, the dumb ass speaking with a man's voice forbade, And this is what I want you to notice, the madness of the prophet. God himself manifest in the flesh, amen, in his word, said he's mad. I'm just going to be plain with you today. I'm not Jesus Christ, amen, but I've got his spirit on the inside of me. He called me to ministry. I'm just going to tell you, amen, like it is, they're mad. And it's not the madness like being angry. They've gone mad. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, here it is again, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were Everybody say were. Were clean escaped from them who live in error. This is important to this message today. They, they were in good shape. They were embracing the truth. Amen. They were clean from that era of Balaam. 
But there's certain ones that speak great swelling words of vanity. And through the lust of the flesh, they have allured them away from what they once were. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought in bondage. Listen to this 20th verse. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. I want to show you the word commandment. There's more than just believing. The gospel has to be obeyed. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. I wanted to give you all of these scriptures today to help you to see what even the word of the Lord warns us about. He said there, there's people that, and I, I'll just reemphasize it, this, they, they once loved it. They once embraced it. They were brought up in it. They were taught in it. Amen. But he said somebody has beguiled them. Somebody has allured them through the lust of the flesh. And a lot of the changes we see in Pentecost is because people want what the world has. I know this is sobering today, but I feel right on target here today, so forgive me, amen, for not having the strength to do what I really feel. But I want you to notice the Lord compared it to Balaam. Amen. Hallelujah. If you want to read it, you can find it in the 22nd, 23rd chapter of Numbers. Let me, let me just tell the story again and bring it back to your memory. Balaam's another one of those characters that just suddenly appeared in the Scripture. And uh, the Lord used him as an example of somebody who made an error. Amen. Made an error. Think about that. Amen. If you know the story, then you know that the king of Moab, Balak, Balak as some might would say, amen. He had witnessed Israel conquering city and country after city and country and nation. And they were getting pretty close to him. And he was a little alarmed. And it's just another one of those things that I mentioned earlier today that we don't have a lot of details, but somehow he knew Balaam. And he knew about Balaam. And I, I don't I hadn't been able to find out just really for sure. Amen. Just what all Balaam had been involved in, but there was something about his history that Balak knew. Then he said, I I I know that whom he curses is cursed. And who he blesses is blessed. 
And he got worried about Israel coming upon him and his people. Amen. And uh, he, uh, he sent some upstanding citizens, some of his servants, no doubt, that had respect among the people. He goes over there to Balaam's place of abiding and home with the rewards of divinity. Amen. Hallelujah. Divining. Amen. Divination. And said, I'd like for you to come and curse Israel. And if you will, this is yours. There had to be a something common in that day, Brother Grant, because the way the Bible says it, there was a certain amount of money or gold or silver or something that was given to somebody that could tell somebody what they wanted to hear. And, and I, I need to just continue the story just for a little bit to get you to understand. It, it's, it's kind of amazing because Balaam knew enough about God that he said, well, you, you go tell him, I can't do that. I, I can't curse him. Because God's already blessed them. Amen. So they go home, they tell Balak the message from Balaam. Balak said, okay, you guys go ahead and do what you want to. I'm going to get somebody else to go. And so he gets some men of higher stature and higher renown and well, more well thought of and men of prestige. And he says, you go tell Balaam he can forget about the reward of divination. I'll increase the ante. I'll increase the pay. In fact, tell him, I'll just give him about anything he wants if he'll just come curse Israel. Now, here's what I want you to notice. They go to Balaam and they, they tell him that. And Balaam says to them, you fellas just go ahead and I'll just paraphrase it. You go ahead and spend the night here and I'll go pray. I want you to notice that. I'll go pray. And Sister Grant, he had already told the other group, I can't do that. God's already blessed them. But now the reward was greater. And the reward was more attractive. And the allurement to the flesh was very strong. And Balaam said, y'all spend the night here and I'll go pray about it. I want that emphasized. He said, I'll go pray about it. Y'all spend the night. You can read it in the Bible yourself. He, he did. He went and prayed. 
And here's what the Lord told him. This is very important. The Lord said, all right, if they come in unto you, notice that. If they come in unto you, then you go with them. I challenge you to study the word of the Lord. It's not there. They didn't come in unto him. But that allurement for the reward, amen. That's what the Bible even said about him. He loved those rewards, those wages, amen. And so he prayed about it, and the Lord said, if they come in unto you, then you go. But instead of waiting to see if they came in unto him, the Bible said he got up the next morning, saddled his ass, and went with them. Somewhere between praying and the next morning, he decided, this is okay, I prayed about it. But you go read it. The word of the Lord said, and the Lord was wroth with him. Because he went, we miss that sometimes. We get the idea God said, okay, go, and he did later. Amen. And I've come to warn you, sometime when you pray about things that your pastor has already told you not to do, God may go ahead and tell you, okay, if you're determined, go on. Brother Grant, I'm... I'm just being me right now, but I know human nature. I've had to wrestle with people before. Sometimes people come, amen, and they want my advice, and they really don't want my advice. They really just come to tell me what they're going to do. They've already got their mind made up. I don't know who I'm talking to here today, amen, but I want you to understand, amen, sometimes, amen, you don't need to pray about some things. You just need to be obedient. So he gets on his ass and cloppity-clop. You know the story, but think about it again. The Lord sent an angel with a sword. Amen. And and there's something about it. I wish I could really explain it to you, but there's something about it when we're determined to do what, the man of God or God himself has told us in his word not to do. Amen. There's something about it. It blinds us to even any warning. If you've already got your mind made up here today, amen, what I'm preaching to you today ain't going to amount to a hill of beans. But if you're in the valley of decision and you're really wondering about some things, let me help you here today. Amen. The Bible said God was wroth with him because he went. Because God had put a condition on it, the only way you can go with them is if they come in unto you. And that didn't happen. But he rationalized and went. And and it blinded him to where even an old mule could see what he couldn't see. You know the story. The old mule saw the angel and said, hey, I ain't going that way. 
It's a sad day when a mule's got more sense than I do. That mule recognized that sword in that angel's hand. You know the story, but let's just remember it again. Balaam gets off, gives that mule a whipping, pulls him back on the trail, or her actually, back on the trail, clippity-clop, clippity-clop, and the angel moves a little farther down in between some walls. Hey, man, where the place was narrow, and the angel couldn't go out back and divert and go to a field, and there wasn't nowhere to turn. The angel just got so close to the wall, it rubbed Balaam's leg against the wall and crushed it. He'd give that thing another beating. Gets back on, clippity-clop. Angels just a little further down. Somebody hear me today. This time the angel, the, the, the donkey, the mule, the ass didn't have anywhere to go, and it just fell down. Balaam got off and gave it another beating. Now, I want to show you what determination to go against the Word of God can do to you. That donkey spoke in the voice of a man. If he hadn't been so determined and in love with the reward, just stop and think about it. I mean... That thing said, hey, I've been faithful to you all these years that you had never had any problem with me. Surely, Balaam, you know something's going on here. Pardon me for just being so dumb. But, friend, if my mule or my horse was to speak to me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be giving it no beating. But he didn't even understand the miraculous hand of God that was trying to stop him. Because he had fell in love with the reward of the lust of the flesh. And the angel spoke and said, I was sent to kill you, Balaam. And if it hadn't been for this little old animal, I'd have done killed you. Praise God. Think about that. The deception of the love of the world, the love of the reward, is getting a hold of a lot of Pentecostal people. And here's where it bothers me. He had done gone so far, the Lord told the angel, as it were, it's not written there, but the Lord just withheld the death sentence and told Balaam, said, go on. You got your mind made up. Go on. It's verified in the very fact that he tried to curse Israel. 
He even said, build me some altars here, and let's do this, let's do that, let's go to a high place. Balak said, let's go up here to this certain place so you can see them, overlook them there. Even time after time, he opened his mouth to curse, and God put a blessing in it. Amen. And I don't have time to get into all of this today, but I've already wearied you, but let me just tell you what I found in the Scripture. It started out as an era of Balaam. You read it. He made an error. He made a mistake. But then it became, the Bible calls it, the way of Balaam. If you don't correct an error, it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes your way. But go to Revelation chapter 2. Amen. Brother Grant, this is what bothers me because I see it happening so much. Sister Grant, it's, it's happening all around us. It was an era of Balaam. It developed into the way of Balaam. But when God rebuked one of the churches in the second chapter of Revelation, he said it is a doctrine now. It's not just a mistake. It's not just a way of life. But now it's a doctrine of Balaam. They're teaching it. For truth. Baytown, I hope you love me after this. But my wife shared with me something just the other day that burdened my heart. I ought to just get her to come tell it, but I'll, I'll try to find a stopping place here. She said, honey, Our grandson is being treated wrong. I said, what are you talking about? She said, his parents have put him in a position that he has got to make some choices that he ought not be having to make. And she felt led of the Lord, and she confronted our grandson and told him. She said, son, I hate it's happened to you, but you're going to have to make some choices. You're going to have to follow your mom and dad, or you're going to have to stand. He's in Bible college. And she said, you're going to have to make some choices. You're going to have to make some decisions. You're either going to have to stay with this truth, or you're going to have to go that way. And the choice has got to be yours. Praise God. Would you stand? Sometimes prayer's not enough. You just got to make some choices of how you're going to live. Hallelujah. You're going to have to make some choices of the life you're going to live, what you're going to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. You want me to describe what they're hearing? You want, me to, you want me to tell you scripturally what they're hearing? It's found in Isaiah 56 and 10. His watchmen are blind. They're all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. 
and they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one of his gain for his quarter. Come ye, say they, I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. Amen. We'll just keep growing. We'll just keep increasing. Baytown, sometimes prayer is not enough. And I'm talking to somebody today. Amen. You may have situations in your life where you, you're weighing, trying to decide what you're really going to believe. Amen. But I'm warning you, if you've made that mistake and you've already started in that direction, while it's just a mistake, while it's just an error, amen, go to this man and say, help me. I, I, I've had some crazy thoughts going through my head, and I've got some people talking to me on the Internet, and, and, and some of the things they're saying looks good. It looks attractive. Amen. They're still speaking in tongues. They're still seeing miracles. So it must be all right. It could be God has just told them, go ahead. Praise God. I know this is totally different, but I shared with you I'm at war. Hallelujah. I love this truth, folks. I done seen what it can do. I, I, I've, I, I sat and talked with a young man just the other day. He had been to a church that I know there's those that say, oh, you ought not say that. But he said, when I walked in it, he said, I felt so uncomfortable. He hadn't had the Holy Ghost that long. But he said, I didn't really see a bit of difference and feel a bit of difference. And what I saw happening there than what I had just come from in the bar room and the dance halls. Would you close your eyes and just pray a moment? I know. I, I would have loved to preach something different, but somehow the Lord is just, he's working on me in this direction. And I may never be back, but I want you to know something today. You're going to have to make some choices, every last one of you. You're going to have to decide if you're going to stick with this truth. There's no need in praying about it. You already know. You're just going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a decision. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's just somebody would like to just come to the front and kneel and say, God, help me. I have fought some battles. I have struggled with some things that he preached about today. Lord, help me. 
I don't want my error, my mistake to turn into a doctrine. I don't want it to turn into a way of life. I love this truth, and I'm glad for what the Lord brought me from and brought me out of. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's become very unpopular to preach conviction on a congregation. I've had pastors even share that with me. Some of them don't want conviction. They just want to shout and run. Nothing wrong with that. But they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to make anybody feel bad. Amen. God help us in our choices help us in our choices Lord bless your heart we love you I love you pastor and his family dearly praise God bless you. If you need to be dismissed, you can. Let's come talk to the Lord a while this morning.
unless I'm mistaken, this Wednesday, this Wednesday, um, is that the 22nd? Wow, that's my birthday. I'm going to be 100 years old. Close. 68. But Brother Ronnie Gidrose is having surgery Wednesday. And I'd like for us to pray for him in dismissal. Lord, we ask you right now to touch our friend who is about to undergo this serious surgery. We trust you, Lord, and we ask for a good outcome. We ask for you to guide the surgeon's hands. And we ask that your will be done. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Years ago, when I first came to Texas, Brother Gidrose <laughs> would try to get my attention at camp meeting or youth camp. He'd get down in the middle after everybody had been dismissed, and he'd say, Hey, Brother Grant! And I'd try to ignore him because he's always up to something. And he would look at me and grin, and he'd pat his head because we're both bald-headed. Hey, Brother Grant! I'd finally just go up there and see what he wanted. But I love good friends. Amen. We're, we're glad to see Sister Sheila here today. We love you, darling. And it's, uh, it's uh, with mixed emotions. She's here because her sweet mama passed away, and they're trying to go through her things and see what to do and, and uh I do understand, been there with my mom and my dad. And, uh, <clears throat> but we love you. That's what we're really trying to say. We love you a whole bunch. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Shake hands and be friendly. Don't forget to get all your kids.